holler. I didn't get a holler. Oh, there it is. Okay. There you go. All right. If you're one of our Pirate Ship Battleship kids, those are our kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, Head out. They've got an environment made just for them where they can learn about Jesus. Pretty excited about all the... Look at them all. Goodness gracious, look at them all. Pretty awesome. I love it. So the most expensive thing... I, I bought Adrian something very expensive one time. And a lot of you might have done uh, the same thing, received the same gift, bought the same thing. Uh, but this, this specific gift is really probably the most expensive thing that I've ever bought for her. And, uh, and, and what it was is that why I bought it was she, it was a symbol of my love and affection for her. It was a symbol that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. It was, it was a commitment that I was making to her that says, you are the only one. I am exclusively tied to you. I want to ask you to be exclusively tied to me. I felt that God has been calling me to you. And so I've purchased this item. And I want to give it to you as a symbol of my love in that direction. Now, uh, you probably kind of figured out what that is. Uh, it, it, and this is, might shock you. Uh, it was an engagement ring. Imagine that. I, I bought her a real engagement ring just like you might have bought an engagement ring for your uh, fiancé or spouse and, and, and your, hopefully your one-day one wife. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything weird. I didn't think anything outside of the box. It wasn't anything original. Like I didn't go all African tribal and go kill an antelope and bring back the hide and say, here you go, honey. Uh, it's a symbol of my affection for you. Like I didn't, I didn't do anything like that. Like it was, uh, the, what I gave her was actually pretty normal. It wasn't anything out of the box. It was special for me and for her. The why I bought it for her was pretty fun. I mean, it was the reason why I gave it to her is because it was a major commitment that I wanted to make to her and ask her to make a commitment back to me. So it was, it was pretty impressive. Well, the what is normal. The what was pretty easy. I didn't have to think too much outside of the box. The why was pretty fun. Now, the how... That came about was a little bit difficult. Why? Because I was broke, right? And like you read all you read, you, you, the, the kind of common thing was you, you're supposed to spend a three months salary on the engagement ring. At least that's what it was at the time. I have no idea what it was now. But for like a broke college student, it was like three bucks and a bowl of Lucky Charms. You know, like it wasn't like it didn't have a lot of money, right? And uh, I, we were in, it's my junior year in college, and I knew that this was coming. Like we had talked about it pretty openly, and uh, we knew that we wanted to get married. And uh, so I knew that I, this whole engagement ring was was coming down coming down the pike, right? And up one day, I was walking to class, and I walked by my car, and I saw outside of my car on the ground a uh, what my big blue CD holder. The, the binder thing. Who had a big blue CD binder thing that you just held all of your cool CDs in, okay? And I saw, it was, it was like a desperate moment for me because the first CD I ever bought was, was Hooting the Blowfish, Crack Review. Um, and so, like, and it was sitting on the ground in two pieces, right? It was devastating for me. And all my CDs were kind of scattered all over the ground. I'm like, what is going on? What is that about? And, uh, and then I look inside of my car, and my car is jacked up. There, there was like somebody taking a crowbar and literally like messed up my dashboard, tried to pull off my stereo out of my car, and they cracked the windshield. Like it was really messed up. 
And so, so I got robbed. Like, it was not a fun experience. Like, it, it was really terrible. And I had to, so I didn't have a stereo. And I lived 12 hours away. I was in school in Alabama. I lived in South Florida. I lived 12 hours away. So the only thing I can do, my insurance policy was, was in South Florida. So I had to drive home for 12 hours without a stereo by myself. Uh, there, this is like before iPods. So like, we, I didn't have any other option. Like, there was a lot of singing to myself, a lot of thought reflection. Uh, but I, I made it home. And we went to the insurance agent to, to go get it audited and all that stuff. And he did this report and figured out that there was $2,100 damage to my car. That's a lot. Especially when the car is only worth $2,500, right? And so uh, $2,100, he, uh, you know, take out the $500 deductible. He cut us a check for $1,600 and says, here you go. Hope you can fix it. Uh, so, I, so me and my dad got a little creative. We bought a new stereo. We got the windshield fixed. We kind of like, uh, you know, jerry-rigged the dashboard so it looks okay in my Ford Taurus, right? All right? That's, what, that's what's going on at the time. And, uh, and so for 600 bucks, we fixed the car. It was doable. It, it worked. I had a stereo. I even got new speakers. Windshield was great. Everything was fine. So I made $1,000 off of the break-in. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. Like, this is great. So uh, then I, a couple days later, after we fixed the car, I got a call from somebody in Birmingham, the police department in Birmingham, saying they caught the guys. It was three drunk college students that dressed all up in camo and did this to numerous cars. And they found them drunk and passed out in the woods. And so, uh, and, and they caught them and they arrested them and they caught with all their stuff. And, and they told us that they were, um, that I was subpoenaed to court to go testify against them. And I had to bring any documentation of what it cost me to have this happen to me. And so I brought the insurance statement and said I had $2,100 damage. And I gave that to them. I showed up and, and they were just like, hey, they have to pay reparations for everything that they did. And there's a bunch of guys in the room that they happened to too. And um, anyway, three weeks later, I got a check in the mail for $2,100. It was awesome. It was the best drunk mistake ever, right? Because I made $3,100 off of some guy breaking into my car. It was brilliant. And so I got an engagement ring off of thievery. It was in, in a different way. So the, the, the how, the how it happened. See, the what, the engagement ring, normal. It was special to me and Adrian, but pretty normal, not anything original. The why was obviously special. I loved her. I was committed to her. It was a big deal to, to her and I. The how was more difficult. The how, the how came apart with some tears and agony. I didn't shed too many tears over my Taurus, but I mean, it was, it, was, it was not a fun experience, right? So what I want to share with you today is a little bit of the, the what, the why, and the how about where our church is going in, in the future, okay? So I'm going to share with you the why. Now, the why, is, the why is the fun part, okay? And this is all about how our church is going to proceed over the next several months because things are happening inside of a church that I really want to share with you about, okay? So here's how we got here in case you're new or haven't really heard our story. In, t- in about three weeks or four weeks, uh, we will turn two years old as a church. It's our two-year birthday. Pretty excited about that. But here's how things started. Uh, we, um, Joel and I, <coughs> who was uh, playing bass right up here, uh, came together. Uh, God kind of led us together to start planting this church together. And we met in a room. I think it was a November day, September. I don't know where he is. But uh, September day or something like that, uh, way back in 2009, I believe. And uh, we sat down in a room with a whiteboard. And we said, okay, what is this church going to look like? I don't even think we had a name for the church yet. But we just wanted to know, what is this church going to look like? And it was just, it was Adrian and I and then Joel and Emily. And that's it. Okay, we, we sat down. We looked at this, uh, we looked at this picture. Here's, here's our, this is the church of Cane Bay on a whiteboard. 
Uh, You'll see there in the very center, we've always had the gospel at the very center of who we are, the very fact that Jesus came, died for us, and and wanted to substitute himself for us. So we always knew that the gospel was going to be at the center. Now, everything else revolving around that is is what you see here today. But that was the original concept right up on that board. And it was just the four of us together. And uh, and it it, it was a fun time. It was awesome. And we got here and began to make relationships with people. And eventually we gathered together 13 people. Here they are right here. We gathered together 13 people. We met in our, uh, in our house for several months. And that was the beginning of the Church of Cain Bay. In fact, that picture was taken when we uh, constituted or signed our covenants for the first time together. It was 13 adults and several kids. You can see that. And that, that's, that's the original group that started this church. That was over uh, two and a half years ago. And, and the purpose of re- really what we wanted to do was we wanted to reach this community. We wanted to be able to cir- circle this community and say, hey, we're, we are responsible for every man, woman, and child within this area to hear and see the gospel and have multiple opportunities to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we gathered. That's why we put this team together. And that's why we're here today. It's the same exact reason. So things kind of proceeded forward. There was a helicopters and eggs dropping things. And it was, it was all sorts of fun. But uh, eventually we, we held our first public service. And there was 91 people there. So 91 people. And that included, that included everybody. I think that included Mr. Ernest, the janitor. If you were pregnant, we counted that. as You, uh, you had two. Uh, so like uh, we, we counted every soul in the room. There, I think there was a dog on that day. If you, you, nobody was here. Okay. So uh, there was a dog that showed up. I had to like take it. Me and Jared had to like move him. It it was it, like it was we counted every so we really had 90 the one was the dog um but uh, we you know 91 people in a public service and it was and that was good over the next couple months we started to average somewhere around 100 people uh and that's really where we stayed uh through 2012 inside of this worship environment uh and so and you can see here, here's our graph of 2012 uh, I think it's going to be up there. There's our graph of 2012. The, the uh, orange line that you can't see really well is our attendance, total attendance for each Sunday. And then the white line is our average attendance. We average attendance for the entire year 2012 was about 105 people. So we started kind of with 100. We ended the year right, right around 105 people. So we really didn't grow a whole lot in 2012. Not very much at all. Now we had about 27 kids at the time. 27 kids on average. Uh, that's how many people, that's how many kids were uh, somewhere between birth and, and second grade. And so uh, we, we, you know, we had a, a good bit of kids, a good little ratio, but it, was, it wasn't really that high. Now, here's the deal. In January of this year, of 2013, God just said, I'm going to blow the lid off of this thing and we're going we're gonna to grow. And it's been fun. And I think it ha- it's the culmination of you guys getting out there and inviting your friends and inviting your neighbors and, and getting to know people. It's, a, it's the missional communities at work. A missional community is a small group that meets during the week with a specific mission and, uh, and plan in place so that they can serve other people. So now I think we have like nine groups and they're, they're working hard. And so we're seeing a good bit of success and favor from God. And, and it's showing up here on Sunday morning. We have tons of guests. We have tons of people checking out our church and ton, tons of people trying to get involved uh, with the church of Canada at some level. In fact, what What's fun is, is now I think the, the uh, missional community is up, uh, numbers are up to like the 170s and such like that. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to see that, that grow. So in 2013, our numbers look a little bit like this. This is the graph uh, of, <clears throat> okay, we have 151. Our average in, in, in 2013 is 151. Um, and you can see the, the graph there. The white line is our average attendance. Uh, <clears throat> so you can see, whereas in 2012, it's kind of it just stayed right where it was. In 2013, it just kind of keeps on going up. 
and we're really excited about what God is doing there. So we have an average somewhere in uh, this year of 151, 151 people inside of, <clears throat> inside of worship. Now that includes, uh, I believe, 51 children on average, 51 children, which is pretty huge. Now our church has increased by like 44%. Our children have increased by 85%. <clears throat> that's significant. Now, uh, now we run somewhere around, uh, so about 33% of our church is uh, fifth grade and under, 33% of our church is fifth grade and under, which is, according to like the stat gurus and stuff like that, is off the charts, right? I checked it out. The most churches, the average church runs around 21% of their church's children. We run 32 to 33%. Uh, I looked at some graphs and uh, we are off the chart. So that, that's kind of fun. We have more children than most churches ever dreamed to have, which is a lot of fun to have. It also creates a little bit of attention, right? A third of our church is not in this room. Those kids are just as much the church as you and I in this room. They are the church not only of tomorrow, of course they are that, but they're the church of today. I just, got a, I just got a card. I should have brought it up on my stage from Lachlan Tweedy. And she wrote it to me and she taped it up and she gave it to me. And it's a picture of me up on the stage. And she writes me a note and she just says, Charlie, I love your, I love your sermons. Thanks for being our pastor. Like, and, I, and then it says, we, and it said, we love God all over it. I, I mean, they're, they are the church of today. And we have to do a good job. Our church is growing. It's going to continue to grow. We got room in this. We have room in this room here. But we don't have room in our kids' areas. Our kids have grown by 85%, and we are exceeding those room levels. Now, you'll notice that we do, I think it's said on the graph, that we have about 12 people per week that are volunteering in kids' ministry uh, to make it happen. It was the same 12, it was the, not the same people, but about 12 people all the way through 2012. It's about the same now. And we're, so we're handling the same amount of kids as we did in 2012 with the same amount of people every single week. And I went around last week, I had the chance to do uh, just kind of roll call last week, and, uh, and I walked into the tugboat room. They had 18 three to five-year-olds in that room with three workers. And I walked in, I'm like, how many are there? And Danielle Delta looks at me and she says, 18, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And what I fear is that we are, we are not producing the same amount of quality for our kids that we are producing in this room when 33% of our church is not in this room. And so one of our values as a church is, is quality. We want to give not only everybody our best, we want to give our kids the best that we can possibly offer. We want to give them the attention that they need. We want to give them the best equipped teachers that they need. We want to give them loving volunteers that come around them, keep them in a safe and secure environment, and allow them to have fun. So while they're learning about Jesus, it's an enjoyable experience. And so <clears throat> for this reason, that's all the why. Remember I said the why was fun stuff. I mean, we are growing as a church. God is, is, is in our corner. He's, in our, he's giving us favor and we are growing and moving forward. And it is daggum exciting, right? Here's the what. And this is the part where it's not original, but it is exciting. The what is, is that we're going to go to a second service in about four weeks. Okay? So that's the big announcement. Yeah, you can give that a hand. How about that? I'm go. Um, now, who all already knew that? Yeah, okay, most of you. Awesome. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, I've been talking about it for a long time. And, and so the what, the what is exciting, but the what is, is, is pretty normal for a church like us. And, uh, and it, the why is even more fun. 
So we're going to go to a second service, and it's going to be, uh, we're going to change our service times to 9 o'clock and 1045, so you'll have two options. Both services will be exactly the same, exactly the same, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and the reason why, primarily, is because we need to give our kids the best, safe, fun environment that we can give them, and, and, that's, and that's the reason why. And we're going to continue to grow in that way, okay? So I want to do that for our kids. Now, there's some other reasons that will help us, kind of some other, um, let me me hit my notes real quick, some other benefits uh, for the second service. Let me give them to you, okay? Now, a lot of you will say, I I struggle with serving in the kids' department because I miss Sunday, and and I miss those Sunday worship experiences. I hear you. So two services will give us the ability for every single person on Sunday morning to come into worship and be a part of the worship service, which is huge, which is huge for me. It's huge for you. And I want you to be a part of that. So it'll give us, it'll give us that opportunity. The second thing uh, is it gives our kids and our teachers a more consistent environment. Uh, we're going to be talking about the logistics of this is going to be worked out in the next few weeks, um, but we are going to create kind of a permanent environment. I believe our kids, teachers and kids workers are going to work on an eight week on, eight week off kind of schedule, but that will create some permanence meaning that your kids will have the same teacher every single week over and over and over again so they can build a relationship with them, that they can build a trust factor instead of having someone different every single week, okay? And so you as a teacher will be able to build a rapport with some kids and build a rapport with some families so that, <clears throat> so that parents can be more trusting that every single week they kind of know what they're coming to and they can build a relationship with that parent, okay? So that's, that's pretty important. The third thing, it gives us the ability to have some classes on site at the church. So we're going to kind of utilize the library area to do some special classes that we have. A lot of you have been through our Discover class, which is our, kind of our, our Cane Bay 101 class. And it te- it's the first step that you go through to get to partnership. I hope that you might, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in knowing more about the Church of Cane Bay, our vision, mission, values, all that stuff. Um, Discover classes for you. Uh, we're going to run it, I, I think, uh, and, uh, starting in September 22nd. We're going to run, it's going to be a three-part class, so three straight Sundays in a row, and we'll be able, you'll be able to come to that class and then come to worship at the same time. We'll be able to watch your kids in a safe, secure environment, uh, and it'll give us the opportunity to do that. The other thing is our uh, Financial Peace University class. We had great success with this. We had 15 families go through it uh, this past summer, and uh, if you went through it, you know how important it was to you. I mean, these, you should talk to some of the families that went through this class. It was life changing for them. They're transforming their fam- families. They're transforming their future because of this class. It's huge. And we have a ton of people who are interested in taking it. Here's the, here's the good news is we'll be able to offer it on Sunday morning. So you'll be able to come to church and be able to go take the class at this on the same Sunday, on the same place with a safe, secure environment for your kids. Okay. So that'll afford us that opportunity. The fourth reason and the fourth uh, really good benefit is that it'll afford us the opportunity to have more room for people to hear the gospel. And that is the best reason. That there'll be more room for kids to hear the gospel, be more room for, for you to invite your friends. And so in, in it, it's going to give us the opportunity to grow and not cap ourselves or place a barrier that doesn't need to exist. Now, <clears throat> here's, here, those are all good things. Those are all uh, wonderful things about what a second service provides. Now, I want to answer an objection that many people might have or a concern that, might, that people might have about having two services as a church. Uh, I mean, you might, have, you, you might be thinking through this, and here's what you're thinking. If we go to two services, I won't know everybody. I won't have the opportunity to know everybody that's in the church. And that's a valid concern. My question back to you would be simply, do you know everybody now? 
It's a big group of folks, right? And it is very possible that, that you might come to church and you might be in our neighborhood walking around or you, you might be just around, see somebody at the store and you might meet somebody new and you might say, hey, I go to the church at Cane Bay. Where do you go to church? And they say, well, I go to the church at Cane Bay too, right? And I know that that might happen. Here's the story. What we don't want to do is we don't want to put a personal cap on what God is doing in this church and in this community. Just so that we can be, feel more comfortable, we are putting some kind of personalized cap and putting a barrier in front of what the kingdom of God has to do in the area of Cane Bay and the miles surrounding it, okay? And, and the question comes, do you want to be a mega church or a big church? Here's how I would answer that question. We want to be a kingdom church. We want to be about being a small piece of the kingdom of Christ here in the Charleston area. Do I believe that the whole kingdom is going to fit inside of our little church? Absolutely not. And I hope not. We can't, absolutely, we can't handle that. But we do want to be the greatest and biggest picture of, the, of a kingdom church that we possibly can be. Does that mean that we're going to be involved in planting other churches? Yes, it does. Does it mean that we're going to try to grow as a church? Yes, it does. We're going to give every opportunity for everyone to hear the gospel and give them an opportunity to worship. Are we going to send people out to start new communities? Absolutely, that's going to happen. So it's not our goal necessarily just to be big. Our goal is to reach people with the gospel and be responsible for this community and make disciples within it, okay? So don't place your individualized cap on things because you feel a little bit squeamish. Now, if you do feel that way and you like a very small church, that's okay. You just have to question yourself as to whether you belong here. And that's okay for you to question that, okay? So there's an objection. Uh, <clears throat> and if you have any more questions about that, you can certainly uh, talk to me. But here's, here's what I'll also say. Is that if you're in a missional community, which I know 170 of you are, okay? The missional communities are the lifeblood of our church. And here's what I would say. Your missional community is your church. It doesn't matter how big this worship gathering gets on Sunday mornings. Your missional community is your church. It's your family. It's the one that you held, you, you're held accountable to. It's the one that raises your standards. It's the one that takes care of you when you have crisis. It's the one that spurs you on to service and leadership. Your missional community is your church. <clears throat> Those groups are going to remain somewhere between 12 and 16 people. And then the goal of them is to multiply. From the very beginning, the goal is always to multiply those groups out. We want to have as many. We can, I don't care. We can have thousands upon thousands of missional communities all over the place. We want to have a ton of them that stay in that 12 to 16 range of people so that you can know them, in, in, like you can know them intimately and be a family with them and grow with them. So your missional community is, in, is your church. Now, if you're not in one, I would heavily, heavily encourage you to get in one. I'm going to pressure you to get in one because it is the best part of our church. And you can check that out and see Pastor Joel or Pastor David after the service, and they will connect with you. Uh, they will connect you into a missional community very, very easily, okay? So the what is the two services. It's simple, it's easy, it's easy to understand concept. The why is because we're growing. And it's a fantastic growth. Keep on inviting people. Keep on, uh, keep on bringing folks into Sunday. Keep on bringing people in your missional community. Get them connected into where you are. That's the why. The how, 
again, is a little bit more difficult. So I want us to look at a little bit of scripture as we finish out today. So if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, Acts, the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, is in the uh, kind of final, uh, uh, final kind of quarter of your Bible. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the storyline about how after Jesus died, was crucified, and was resurrected, the, the Acts of the Apostles is the story about how the early church got its start, okay? It's a narrative and talks about how the early church got its start, okay? So, and here's the difficult part. Jesus gave the disciples a very, very specific command. He told them, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will always be with you in this process. Now, did he sit them down and systematically write out how they should do that? No. He told them what they should be doing. He told them why they should be doing it. It's because the Son of Man comes to seek and save the lost. He told them why. Because I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect so that people might have life. That's the gospel. So he tells them why they should do it. He gives them what they should be doing. But the how was a little bit open to interpretation and method to how that should happen. And the how is a little bit more difficult. But we do get a picture of what that looks like. He gives us a profile. The disciples give us a profile of what it looks like to be a growing church. Over and over and over again in the first like five or six chapters of Acts, it kind of tells the story and then it has a little paragraph that said, and, and like, and thousands were added to their number. And then the chapter later it'll say, and thousands were added to their number. And chapter later, and thousands were added to their number. So obviously they were a growing church. They had the character of a growing church. They had the profile of a growing church. They were obviously doing it well. Right? And so it should be up to us to say, okay, how are they doing it? Maybe we should do it just like them. Or at least have the same kind of characteristics or profile that they do. Okay? So this is how they do it. This is how they do it. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 33. Now the full number of those who believed, meaning the church, were of one heart and soul And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, here's what I want to draw out of this. I want to draw three characteristics of a growing church. Three characteristics of a growing church that that was a part of the people, okay? The first one, if you're taking notes, they were unified. They were unified under the same mission. They knew what the what and they knew what the why was. They were unified. It says they were of one heart and one soul and had everything in common. They understood that the bullseye of the target was the gospel. And they were preaching the gospel that Jesus loves them, that that Jesus loves people and wants to save them from their sins so that they might be able to live eternally. Gospel. That's the bullseye of the gospel. They're going to preach that, and they're going to be unified around that bullseye target. Okay? And for us, that means that we have that every man, woman, and child in our circle, in our understanding of the miles around our church, five-mile radius around our church, we are responsible as a church 
to allow them to hear the gospel and see the gospel and be given multiple opportunities to respond to the gospel. Not just one opportunity, multiple opportunities. And we have to be united around that cause. That's what we're here for. If we're not doing that, we might as well just check out. Go somewhere else. Do something else on a Sunday morning. Sleep in. Whatever. We have a unified purpose, and that's what we unify around. So they had one purpose, and that was the gospel. That is the same gospel that we celebrate today. Number two, they were obviously a generous people. They were unified and generous. They were unified and generous. Said no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own. Here's what it says in the Old Testament, Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We have this concept. I know that it's bold and it's countercultural. We believe that God owns everything. That nothing is our own. That the Lord really is the Lord. That he owns everything. And that we are managers of what God owns. Our stuff, our house, our children, our, our, our finances, our cars, our 401ks, everything is owned by God. And we, he allows us to be managers or caretakers, or the biblical word is steward. We are the steward of what God gives to us. And they understood this concept. You see it written there. They understood that none of what they had was their own. And that they had everything in common. And so we're going to call you the Squared series over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about this unification. And we're also going to be talking about this area of finances or money. We're going to be talking about generosity. David's going to preach about it once, and I'm going to preach about it once. And we're going to have a good old time talking about what God means through generosity. And how we can become unified around this concept of the gospel and be generous at the same time. So we're going to be talking about that plainly and boldly over the next uh, couple weeks. Now, here's uh, what I want to do, too, is I want to share with you. We're going to do a little bit of business in which we're going to show you our church budget. We're going to show you the church money. We don't hide anything. You know, I'm not running any kind of underground mob organization, right? That's not happening, right? I don't, I don't take money from the church. We're going to show you the money. <laughs> I think that's a movie term. All right. We're gonna, show me the money. Okay, we're, I'm going to show you the money. Just, we're going to be very open about it. We don't have anything to hide. So that we can also talk about money openly. So that we can be generous as a church, as it pertains to the ministry that we're called to do, and make sure that everything is going in the right direction. Now here it is. We're to be unified. We're to be generous. And number three, we're to be leaders. We're to be leaders. You see, with great power, the apostles were given, they were giving their testimony. You have the apostles which were the 12 people that followed Jesus most closely. Now the apostles, they're dead and gone. They're in paradise with Jesus, and we're glad that they're there. What has happened is that they have passed on or delegated responsibility of the church onto us. And when I mean us, I don't mean me, David, and Joel. I mean everybody, the Christian church, that we are responsible as leaders, not just as role players, I don't want you to think that being a part of the church at Cane Bay, that you're just a role player in Charlie's fantasy to grow a big church. That's not who we are. You are a leader in this community. You have ideas. You know people. You are a catalyst in a lot of ways. 
And what we want to do is not just plug you into some kind of role so that you can do it like a robot. That's not what we're talking about. We want you to lead and own something. David's going to be talking to you about that next week. And we want to produce and multiply more leaders so that this church and our, and, and, and our ability to serve the community and, and proclaim the gospel to the community, we want to have more and more leaders that are able to do that. And as a leader, you are equipped, qualified, and ready. That's what we want to produce. Now, here's, here's the reason why. Because the best years of Cane Bay are yet to come. The best years are yet to come. The best ideas are yet to be known. We have no idea if we have, we we haven't peaked out. We don't know all the best ideas that can reach this community. Those ideas are in your minds and we want to hear them. Everybody wants to hear them so that we can get those out and so that we can begin reaching people with those new ideas. The best leaders are not even in our church yet. You know where the best leaders and the best catalysts and the best changers and the best people out there to reach this community, you know where they are? They're lost still in our community. And they need to hear about Jesus. That's where the best people are. They're not standing on the stage. They're not sitting in this room. And we need to give most opportunity to them so that they can get to know the truth. They can be saved by Jesus. And then they can begin to use the gifts that God has given them to further the kingdom, just like you and I are trying to do right now. So that's where we're going. That's the how. Now, the squared series, it just means Church of Cane Bay squared. We didn't get too creative with it, but it was fun. But we're going to be talking about this idea of unified, generous leaders. What does it mean for us to multiply unified, generous leaders? Okay? That's what we're going to be going over over the next few weeks, and this is kind of the intro to this. So get excited about our second service. There's a lot of logistics, a lot of things you'll be hearing about over email and conversations. And we're going to have meetings and talking all about it. Don't bombard Jennifer this morning and ask how this is going to work, okay? Uh, she, she's got it on in her mind. She knows what she's doing. And we're going to all work it out over the next couple of weeks. But get excited about September 15th. It's our birthday, and we're going to go to two services uh, from then on out. And it's going to be a lot of fun, okay? Now, one of the other parts to being a pastor of this church is I need to make sure that we are not only growing in breadth, we are growing in depth as well. I want, you to grow, I want you to put roots down in your faith. And it says in the Bible that me as your pastor and, uh, and, and our elders are responsible for your spiritual health. And we will be held accountable for that one day. And so we kind of need to know how we're doing. Uh, we kind of need to put some kind of foundation and say, okay, this is how the Church of Cane Bay is growing. Uh, this, is, this is where people are at. And so that we can communicate better as far as who is, who is out there. Uh, and so we, we need to do that much. We need to do that much better, and we need to know how we can do that better. Okay? So you'll see in your, um, in your bulletin this right here. Uh, this is called the Spiritual Health Survey, and this is for everybody. Now, today, if today is your first day, uh, this might not take for you long to do, but I would actually really like you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable filling out. If you've been with us for a couple weeks or you've been with us for a while, this is definitely for you to fill out as much as you can. It's anonymous. Don't put your name on this. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a very honest assessment 
of where you are in your life and your walk with Christ. If you have one, you can also mark that on here, and that would be very helpful for us, okay? And, and so I don't want to make it awkward for you if today's your first day. Here's what I would say to you if you've only been here for a couple weeks or today is your first day. Just know that this church cares for its people. And we want to do our best at making sure that people are growing in their faith. If, you're, if you come to the church at Cane Bay, you'll be challenged to grow in your faith. We don't let you sit in the chair and do nothing. We want you to grow. And so just know that. And I think that's a very healthy thing to do. So we're going to literally give you about three or four minutes to fill this out in your chair. Okay? And then, uh, and then Pete and the band, are, they're going to come up here and, and play us out and sing us out a little bit. Uh, but I want you to fill this out. Okay? So we're going to cue up some music. Go ahead and fill it out. And then we'll give you a chance to, uh, to pass it in at the end of the service. Okay? Go. Go.